Today we are in our third sermon on the names of God, and we have three left. Next week we're going to be talking about how Jesus is a healer. Uh, my son Bo will be preaching that. And then we come back in the month of April, Palm Sunday, and I'll be preaching of how Jesus is our salvation. And then Easter Sunday, man, can you believe it's almost Easter? Can't wait for that day. I'm going to be preaching Jesus is our Redeemer. And I'm thankful for these names. And the reason God gave us so many names, I can remember when I was a, a young boy growing up and going to Sunday school and, and teaching. And, you know, there's probably some people in this room that will remember this. My late brother-in-law, Daniel, was a, a real student of the word and he taught a lesson one night on the different names of God and and he would take the name and, and he would use the first letter of that name and call somebody up that had the first letter of their name and they would hold that sign I still remember that one of the questions I had is why is there so many names I mean why why do we have all of these names and and the truth is God gave us so many of his names because he wants to reveal himself to us. So each one of these names is a revelation of his character. It's a revelation of who he is, of what he does, and, and how he will walk with us throughout our life and how he will help us. And, and so today, we're going to take a name that only appears one time in the Bible, and that uh, is the name of the Lord is my banner. Everybody say my banner. Now, now I think you know what a banner is. It could be a flag. It could be a, a piece of cloth that they would put up on a pole. Uh, I, I know that when, when you look at history, you'll find that there are a lot of uh, symbols, banners that certain armies used. And, and, and you know, really they're just pieces of cloth. They're, they're not really anything special until you tie into the memory of them. Like, like there's this one flag that has a, 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 just a beautiful star in, on it. And, and it's, it's, it's white and it's red and it's blue. And, and you know, a lot of people across the world will look at that and not really understand how important the flag of Texas really is. It's just a cloth to them. But you know what? When I was young, I learned about Texas history and I learned about how there was victory that was won and how men overcame. And, and, and you know what, that now, because there's that history that is woven into the picture of that flag, it really stirs something in me. It, it really is something that makes me feel a certain way, nostalgic or, or proud or patriot. And, and, and of course, here living in the city of Houston, we drive by a lot of monuments that are uh, happened during our war of independence and and so it's just a it's something that means a lot to me and if I'm off somewhere traveling and I happen to see a Texas flag somewhere I, I actually was in the Philippines not long ago and we're driving down uh, the road in Manila 20 million people and there's a jeepney that comes by and it has a Texas flag on it and I just I just kind of yeah yeah Texas proud Texas pride. But, but you know, the, it, it's really, that's the history of this state that is not very old, really. But when I think about the banner which God has given us, his name, and the history that is behind 
the name of God, it, it really tells us a lot about who he is. He, he's telling us that he is himself. I, I, I like that. He's just saying, I'm God. I, a lot of questions about who is this God and, and who shall I say? And, and God told Moses to just go tell him I am sent you. In other words, I'm just the one that's here. I, I've always been here. I'm always going to be here. He, he's just himself. And, and as he's saying these names, he's also telling us I am enough. This, this is my name and I am enough. I am enough. I'm all powerful. I am eternal. And so when we come to this name of God, which is uh, Jehovah Nisi in the original language, and it's interpreted, uh, translated, God is our banner, um, it, it involves a time when the children of Israel are wandering in the wilderness, in their desert. And it's very shortly after they have received their victory and their uh, liberation from 400 plus years of slavery, in the land of Egypt. And, and, and as they're going, they're in the middle of this uh, exodus. And, and actually, our story today is in the book of Exodus chapter 17. They are attacked by a group of people called the Amalekites. And uh, I'll read to you from Exodus 17, 8 through 9. Now, Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. I, I want you to think about this for just a few minutes. We're talking about a group of people that have been enslaved for 400 plus years. This isn't a trained militia. This isn't a group that has gone through any type of training as far as warfare. That they, they are, they're, they're just trying to learn to be independent. After 400 years of people telling them what to do, where to go, what to eat, they're, they're just trying to grasp what freedom is all about. And, and right in the middle of this, at the beginning of their trip, these Amalekites start attacking them. And the Amalekites are, they become the bitter enemies of Israel. It's a matter of fact, it's something that compasses the, almost the whole um, Old Testament, all the way from uh, the beginning in, in the book of Chronicles, all the way to, I'm sorry, in the book of Samuel to the book of Esther. It's just woven in there how these people were the enemies of Israel and, and, and it's, it, it's hard to understand that. You know, why would there be enemies that would try to destroy Israel now that they have their freedom, now that it seems like everything's going okay? And, 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 and listen, I, I just have to tell you this. Um, we're always going to have enemies. And, and we may not have physical enemies like the Amalekites, but we are going to have enemies of our soul, enemies of our freedom enemies of our soul, uh, soul having a relationship with God. This is what Simon Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5 and 8, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, you didn't know you had an adversary, did you? Your adversary, the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And, and, and I'm 
old enough and I've watched enough National Geographic uh, documentaries that I can tell you that lions don't fight fair. I mean, they lay in wait. And some poor little old animal comes along and the animal springs out on them and um, it's, it's all over. They don't fight fair. They're not, they're not, there's no rules of engagement with lions. And that's the way it is with the enemy of our soul. That's why the scripture here tells us to be vigilant. We have to be aware of what's going on around us because the enemy of our soul is not going to fight fair. He's not going to come at us uh, under any type of rules. He's going to use everything he can to destroy us. Jesus, when he talked about this enemy, he says it like this. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That, that's what his purpose is. His purpose is to kill you, to, do, to, to steal everything from you, and to destroy your life. And I'm thankful that we have Jesus because Jesus counterbalanced that by saying, but I come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. So as we look at this, amen. That's all right if we want to clap there. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the abundant life that the Lord has called us to live in. And as I look at this story, we've just started it here today when, when we have uh, talked about how Moses has set the strategy. Joshua, I want you to get some young men. I want you to get some soldiers. You're going to have to go down and fight these Amalekites. And, and I'm going to go up on top of the hill and I'm going to take with me this rod, this rod that God has placed in my hand that's already been very instrumental in, in miracles taking place. I mean... Uh, this is a rod that, that Moses used uh, during the time of the plagues. This is the rod that was lifted over the Red Sea and, and uh, they were able to escape. This is the rod that just earlier in this very same chapter, God told him, strike the rock and water comes pouring out of the rock when the children of Israel were in a land where there wasn't any fresh water. And, and so this is the lessons that we learn. We learn, first of all, if we're really going to let that banner of God fly over us, he is my banner of victory. I have to learn to depend on the Lord. Everybody say, depend on the Lord. You, you see, as Moses stands on top of the hill that day and, and, and he's seeing the army below him, he, he's seeing what's taking place and, and he's holding this, this rod, this stick, and and as he is uh, holding this stick with his hands lifted up, Joshua was prevailing. Now, I don't want you to think Harry Potter here. This is not some magic stick that he's waving around up there. This is what I believe. I believe that as he's holding this stick up, it is intercession to God. He's praying for the victory. And as he is praying and seeking God, there is victory that is taking place down below them. They were doing their part, praying, fighting, but the victory was actually coming from the Lord. That, that's why I would tell you uh, today, I, I, I want you to fight. I want you to be vigilant. I want you to be on guard. I want you to make sure that you protect your family. I, 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 I want you to go out there and resist temptation. I want you to go out there and give the devil a black eye. I want you to live victorious. I, I want you to do everything you can to live the way that God wants you to live. But I want you to hear this, hear this, hear this. Do all that you can do 
but ultimately we depend on God. I said, ultimately we depend on God. It is God that is going to give us the victory. It is God that is going to deliver us. It's God that is going to set us free. It is God that will fight with me. And, and this passage of scripture really gives us the teaching that we need to depend on God. I, I think there's many people in this room today that you need to have a revelation that God is for you and not against you. Do you believe that, that God is for you? I'm telling you, our God is for us. He loves us. He cares about us. He watches over us. And, and did you know that he cares so much about us that he will fight for us? He will move mountains for us. He will walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death. He will prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. In other words, nourish us in the midst of our spiritual battles. I can get strength from God when I don't even know where it's gonna come from. I'm telling you folks, our God is for us and he wants to fight those battles. The key is we've gotta ask him to help us fight those battles. Jeremiah 33 and three says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you did not know. A, a, a call to me. Call upon the Lord. Amen. That, that's one of the things that I loved about that commissioning when we talked about their victory uh, scream or victory yell. It was Jesus. <laughs> now, you don't have to always yell Jesus. I've whispered Jesus. Anybody ever whispered Jesus? <laughs> I, I've said Jesus in great exclamation points following it when somebody pulled over in front of me and I thought I was going to have a wreck. I, uh, I've, I've whispered Jesus. I've talked to Jesus. I've, uh, I've sung the name of Jesus. Normally that's where nobody else can hear me, but I, I've sung the name of Jesus. There, there's just something about it. I want to call upon him. And, and the, pre, the promise is that when I call, he will answer. And this is the thing about the Lord. When he shows up, he is sufficient. In other words, he has everything that I need for the battle that I'm in. Everything I need for the battle that I'm facing. Everything that I need for the circumstances that are surrounding me. Uh, we, we know that Paul had an issue. We don't know what the issue is. The Bible doesn't reveal to us what these thorns in the flesh were. He, a lot of speculation of this or of that, but we really don't know. And, and as he is praying and asking the Lord to remove these thorns from the flesh, the Lord speaks to him in 2 Corinthians 12 and 9 and said, My grace is sufficient for you, and my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul, you don't understand. I, I know you're going through this, but you need to know about my strength. My strength shows up when you are depending on me. My strength shows up when you are depending on my help. My strength is made perfect in your time of weakness. And when Paul gets this understanding, this is what his response is. Therefore, most gladly... I will rather boast 
in my infirmities. I want to talk about how weak I am. That the power of Christ may rest on me. Amen. That's what I want. I want to live that type of life. I want to live that life depending on the Lord because I know that he is sufficient. That he is able. And I can tell you, I've uh, pastoring for the years that I've pastored, 35 something years, uh, living for God the way that I've lived for God. And I, I was telling uh, the men, I think, the other night, I, I've been spirit filled for 56 years. Amen. I, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for that. And through all of my ups and downs, and through all of my many different problems and failures and faults and mistakes, I have found that he is sufficient to see me through everything that I have faced. Amen. Now, a lot of times he says, don't do that again. And I say, yes, sir. But I know that he'll see me through the situations that are in my life. My feelings change, but God's promises never change. My amount of prayer time changes. But God's ability to answer never changes. My commitment may waver back and forth. It may not be as full of zeal as it needs to be. But, but God's commitment to me never changes. Oh, I, I wish that you would get a hold of this for just a few minutes this morning. Because I think a lot of times we think God's actions are going to be based on our actions. Where his actions are not contingent on our actions one little bit. He is a faithful God and he will never leave us nor forsake us. And I say that because a lot of people go through life in the first moment when they fail, fall, mistake. They feel like that God's mad at them. They can't even pray. God's not mad. He knew you before you were born. He knew all that you were going to go through. He knew every sin that you were going to commit. He knew every failure you were going to have. He knew every fault you were going to confess. But he loves you still. Hallelujah. I'm about to preach myself into the altar today. This is so good. Thank you, Jesus. I'm thankful for his promises because his promises generate faith. It generates faith in my life. I read a promise that the Lord is going to be with me. You know what? It generates faith in my life. I read a promise about how he is going to be my comfort. It generates faith in my life. I read a promise about how he is going to be my healer. It generates faith. My deliverer. Faith starts building up. Faith starts rising to the top. When I read and I understand these promises, and then when faith becomes strengthened, then I start having great hope. It doesn't matter what's going on around me. I have hope because I know the one that is in control. Amen. Amen. Corey... Tin Boom was a little girl during World War II. Her father was a Dutch watchmaker. And they, uh, as a family, they did a lot of work rescuing Jews from Nazi Germany, helping them go through. And, and Corey Tin Boom's testimony is amazing. If you've never read it, I would recommend it. Uh, she has this one quote, and I, I, I love this. I've, I've actually read this over and over again through the years 
it says, look at self and be distressed. Because it's easy to be distressed when we look at self. We, we know. I heard a guy the other day say that uh, he looked in the mirror and he was uh, telling a joke. And he said it was so funny that, that both of them laughed. <laughs> Sometimes I look in a mirror and, and I think that is the joke. Anybody ever look in a mirror and think, oh, my goodness. I'm the only one. <laughs> Thank you for that one hand back there. God bless you. Look at self and be distressed. I look at self. I know my problems. I know my shortcomings. I know how easy it is for me to get distracted. I know how easy it is for my attitude to get wrong. Look at self and be distressed. She went on to say the second line, look at others and be depressed. <laughs> look at others and be depressed. But then she finally ended that saying with, look at Jesus and you'll be at rest. Because he is sufficient. He is enough. You know what enough is? It just keeps recurring in whatever quantity or quality you need to meet the need. It is enough. It's not like he is barely making it. And oh, I've just got to give just that. This is all I can spare you today. No, no, no. He is rich in his resources to help us through every situation. Amen. You know, I, I'm fixing to say something. That I think you ought to pay attention to. I, I mean, everything that I said has been very important and extremely well said, but what I'm about to say, I, I, I've lived my life where people have come and asked, pray for me from the deliverance of this. Pray that the, the, the that I can overcome this sin and pray that. Pray that I can overcome the, the devil and the temptation of the devil. Uh, pray, Pastor, that I, can, that I can be delivered from these problems. And I've even had people come and say, Lord, as a pastor, pray that I can be delivered from people. I'm like, listen, that's a tough one right there because, you know, if you want to be delivered from people, you, know, you may have to stop breathing to get to that point. I'm not going to pray that. Okay, here's the important part. This is what God really wants you to, to deliver you from. He wants to deliver you from your self-dependency. That's the first thing he wants to deliver you from. He wants you to depend on him. And too many times we depend on ourselves, and we fight the fight until it has just ground us up and all the while there's one that is there that will help us and walk with us through every battle that we fight and his name is Jesus I, I, th I think I think that everyone in all of our campuses that should be part of your prayer over the next few weeks Lord deliver me from self-dependency let me depend on you. James said it this way. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous man 
has great power and produces wonderful results. This is what the righteous man prays. The righteous man prays the prayer of faith. And the prayer of faith is a prayer that is so sure of God that he knows that when he prays it, that God's got it. He knows that when he says it, that God has received it. He knows that when he prays it, that the answer is there. Now, you may not see the evidence of that answer, but the prayers of a righteous man are not in any way hindered by lack of evidence. Our prayers as a righteous man, as a righteous woman, are strengthened because we know of the one that we pray to. Let's depend upon Jesus. Let's depend upon Jesus. That's, that's what they're doing here in this story. Exodus chapter 17 and 11. And so it was when Moses held up his hand. He's on the mountain now. And as he holds up his hand, and this is a sign of, of prayer. This is a sign of he, he's, uh, he's travailing for them. There, there's a time of prayer and travailing. And, and, and of course, you know, once you hold your arms up, they start getting tired. When I was growing up, one of the... One of the things that you wanted to do when you prayed in the altar was hold somebody's arms up. You know, you get, get them on the arms like that. Anybody remember that when you, you know, and they're trying to put their arms down. You're like, no, no, just hold on. Hold in there. Come on. Jesus is on the way. I, you know what? I'm going to stop there. I'm not going to go down that rabbit trail. Well, Moses, when he's holding up his hands in Exodus 17 and 11, Joshua and Israel were prevailing But when weariness would come over him, he would start letting those hands drop down. And and when that happened, uh, the Amalekites and Amalek would start prevailing. We we know that this is prayer. This is not something that's, that's, uh, you know, magical about him holding his hands up. This is what we need to understand here. Our mission is to help people discover The life that God has for them. And and as we're doing that, it takes each other. So the second thing that we need to learn here is we need to learn that we depend on God. He's the one that's going to give the answer. And and we want you to discover the life that God has for you. We we want everyone to know God. That's, That's one of the reasons we're teaching this series about the names of God. So you can really know who he is so you you know him you'll trust in him and and on our Sunday morning services this is really a time when we want people just to get to know who God is I I love the worship time today it's it's a inviting his presence in and and as you feel him you get to know who he is you get to follow with him and 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 understand who he is but as Moses is up on that mountain the second lesson that he's learning is that he, he has to have help. Everybody say, I need help. Because the Bible tells us that when his arms would grow weary, and, and Amleka, the, uh, Am, the Amalekites would start winning, that there were two men with him. Let's just read it in chapter 12 and 13. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took 
a stone and put it under him. They set him on it. You know, they sit down, Moses. We're going to take care of you. And Aaron, which was his brother, and, and her, another man there, uh, supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So in my mind, this is a moment they recognize God is answering these prayers. Let's stand with Moses. Let's hold his hands up so he can continue to pray. And they held his hands steady there until the going down of the sun. I, I, I want you to know that, that you can rely on people. Now, I read a lot of stuff about church hurt. And, and I believe in church hurt because I have experienced it. But I also have hurt people. Not intentionally. That's not my personality. I wouldn't intentionally hurt people. But anytime you get a group of people together, people are going to get hurt. But can I tell you that over the 35 plus years that I've pastored, that I have found that the body of Christ is much more reliable than any other group that I've ever seen on the face of the earth. And while there may have been times that I was hurt and there may have been times that I hurt people, I don't believe that any of those things are done intentionally. And what I have discovered is when I've really opened up and relied on church people, that God has used so many people to be such an incredible blessing in my life and to speak to me and to help me. And I think a lot of times we withdraw and we become isolated. And how can we be the body of Christ if we're going to be isolated? Learn to rely on people. We believe that a lot of the freedom that we're really seeking comes from the small groups that we have you in. The life groups that you're a part of. Our freedom life group, our life group for whatever you're a part of. We have a life group in our home, Nancy and I do on Wednesday nights. And, and I love those times. We, we, we say, okay, we're going to meet from 7 until 8 o'clock. And then about 930, you know, I'm standing up doing that. Well, it was good for y'all to be here. You know, like that southern hospitality of this time for you to go home. No, not really. It just goes on and on. And I enjoy it. I love those times together. Learn to rely on God's people. And I just want to give you a couple of quick hints here on how to do that. Because I know a lot of people, you, you don't want to rely on each other. I, I think that the first thing that you need to do is you need to learn to ask God for just supernatural help. Give me a supernatural love for the people that are in my church, for the people that are in my group. Give me a supernatural love for one another, and then you just start trusting, and maybe just in a small dose, just start trusting people, going with them, getting to know them. And, and this is what's going to happen. When you spend time with people, God is going to eventually open a door for you to bring someone into your inner circle. You know what that inner circle is? That's the place where you really talk about the problems that you have in life and the situations that you're facing and and you trust people with details that are very private and personal. And you do that with the intention of them praying and helping you pray through these things. And then, you know what's going to happen? A lot of times we're let down. And a lot of times people disappoint us. 
And at those moments, you just have grace for people. Has anybody ever let, been let down? Let me just see your hand. Okay, now put your hands down. This is the second question, and you don't have to answer it. Have you ever let anybody down? So we have grace. Because we know that we've let people down, just like people have let us down. And, and I, I, wanna, I, I don't want to get political. I, I don't want to bring in the topics of the culture that are around us. Let me, let me just say it like this. This world is a place of relational violence. It is a, it is a place where there is so much violence towards one another in, in dialogue and in actions. And it, it really is sickening to me to see the great divisions that are in our, our country. I, I believe they're divisions by purpose. I believe they're divisions that are eventually going to be revealed as the work of the enemy to bring destruction. And, and this is what I would say. Rebuke the spirit of the world in your relationships and learn to have those relationships that mean a lot from God. Okay, so I've talked about two things here and I've got one more thing to talk about. First of all, we learn to depend on God. Second of all, we learn to depend on God's people. And then the third thing that we can learn from this passage of scripture is let the spirit flow. Learn to let the spirit move in your life. Exodus chapter 17, 12 through 25. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron Ur, found a stone for them to sit on. They stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. And when the, children, when, the, when the Lord said to Moses, write this for memorial for the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name there, the Lord is my banner. Now, there's, we, we see this is a strange way for a victory to be won, for a battle to be uh, 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 victorious, uh, but the way that it is given, it leaves absolutely no doubt in our mind who is responsible for the victory. Jesus is. God's responsible. God's responsible for the victory that is taking place. Only as those hands were held up, only as he was lifting that rod and, 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 tra and travailing to the Lord did the children of Israel win. The battle was not because of military might. I've already told you, they were not trained warriors. They didn't have a superior battle plan. Moses just said, go down there and fight. They, that it was won by the power of God. But, but just as a closing note, I, I think it's interesting here to see when Amalek attacked. Exodus 17 and 8 said, then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. It, it was in the first part of this chapter. That the children of Israel, they've gone on this exodus out of Egypt. And they're in the wilderness now and there is no water. I, I've never been in the wilderness without water. But I have been through a desert several times. And in my mind, I have thought, wouldn't this be a horrible place to be without water? And, and, and 
now there is all of this water and it's flowing supernaturally from a, a stone. And, and according to what I can see, the water was not only flowing, but as Israel was making their journey, the water was flowing with them. Amalek, who is a, a nomad, a group of people that live in the wilderness, don't you know that made them so jealous? That they have the highest commodity just flowing with them, and that's not right. We should have that. And here they come to do battle. And here's the children of Israel. I, I want I you to just think about this for a moment, okay? How many of you will think about this with me? The whole time they're in Egypt and God is trying to bring them out, God never one time tells them, hey, guys, get ready. You're going to have to fight. No fighting. They get to the Red Sea, and, and if you read that passage, you'll find that the Red Sea's on one side, the armies of the Pharaoh on the other side, and, and they're confused and they're scared, and, and, and at no time does God say, hey, guys, get ready. This is going to be a rumble. You've got to be ready to fight. God fights for them. God fights for them. God delivers them. But when the water starts flowing, and in the scripture, the water is a type of the Holy Spirit. When it starts flowing, warfare commences. Pastor, I don't know why I'm having all of these attacks. I don't know why I'm going through this. I'm just trying to live for Jesus. Let me tell you something. When you were dead in your trespasses and sin, there was no reason for the enemy to bother you. Don't take the attack of the enemy as a sign that you're not blessed by God. It's when the enemy sees the blessings in our life, that's when he rises up and says, I've got to make a difference. His fighting against me is just an assurance that I'm on the right track. They wanted the spirit. They wanted the water. And Amalek was a shameful man that he would pursue that water. They, they had done no fighting, and now the water is flowing. And this is what I want to tell you in closing. That water needs to flow in your life. You need to depend on Jesus. You need to learn to depend on God. Everybody say, depend on God. You need to rely on God's people. Learn to love the church. Learn to get into the church. Learn to go to life groups. Learn to be a part of what God's doing in life church. I, I, there's so many new people in life church. Uh, my goodness, I'm overwhelmed when I go to each of the campuses to see all of the new people that God is bringing in. It's amazing what is taking place. I, I, I want to rely. I want to be a part of something that's alive. But I also want the spirit to flow through me. I, I, I want to be hungry for the spirit of the Lord to flow through me. Every morning at 737, 738, I pray this prayer. Lord, let the spirit flow through me. And I pray that prayer because of what Jesus said in the book of John chapter 7 and verse 38. He said, he be, who believes on me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow 
Rivers of living water. Flow means to move freely from one place to another in a steady, unbroken stream, unhindered by, by any type of movement. Isaiah is the one that prophesied about it. Listen to this. Look at this scripture. Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 3. With joy you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. In that wonderful day you will sing thanks the Lord, praise his name. Tell the nations what he has done. Let them know how mighty he is. Sing to the Lord, for he has done wonderful things. Make known his praise around the world. Let all the people of Jerusalem shout with praise for joy, for great is the Holy One of Israel who lives among you. This is just a good description on how to let the Spirit of the Lord move in your life. Why don't you stand with me and let's just go through this. Let's, let's practice this. So the first thing that Isaiah says there, if, if you, after you drink, this is what's going to happen. You're going to give thanks to God. That, that's something that's easy to do. I, I wonder, is there anybody in this room that has something that you can be thankful for? Let me just see your hand. Why, why don't we just lift our voice in thanksgiving right now? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your help. We thank you for all that you've done for us. We are a grateful people, oh God. We are a thankful people, oh God. And we give you thanks. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I, I, I'm thankful. And when I'm thankful, you know what happens? My perspective starts changing on things. I can be so burdened by all of the problems but when I'm thankful I'm starting thinking about the good things of God the second thing they did there is they called upon the name of the Lord you know that's something that the people of God have always done just called upon. I wonder if we could just call upon the name of the Lord Jesus come on in all of the campuses Jesus we need you Jesus I'm thankful. I'm calling upon the name. And, and the other thing they said is they exalted his name. Christ's name is above every name. That this is something we can speak to those around us. Why don't you just turn to someone and say, Jesus is Lord. He is the Lord of all. He is the Lord over all. Turn to somebody else and say, Jesus is good. Man, it feels good just saying it. Ah, oh, hallelujah. Jesus is good. Jesus is good. I give 